Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning. When I was growing up, my parents, I think, went out of their way to make sure that when they gave us gifts, my three brothers and me, that they showed no partiality, that there was no favoritism. And so what that meant is that they tried to spend the same amount of money on every one of us so that we wouldn't be comparing and wondering about that. Well, one Christmas, after we had already opened all of our presents, That afternoon, my parents kind of pulled me to the side and they said, we want to give you another present. And they said something that made me think that they thought perhaps that they had not given me enough, that maybe I wasn't happy with the gifts I had received. I'm not sure what it was. But they handed me another gift and I opened it up and it was this sweater. Now, the sweater was very nice. It was a cardigan sweater. I suspect it was fairly expensive. But the truth of the matter is, I really, I really didn't like it. It was a brown sweater, and it, it, it had this, uh, these panels down the front, these leather panels that were kind of a, attached to it, and a zipper that went up. And, and although, again, it was, it's nice, I, I, from a, uh, the perspective of a high school kid, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing it. At a certain point, though, they asked me, so what do you think of it? And I answered, it's nice. And that was, that was the right answer. I mean, it was, a, it was a true answer, but it wasn't the full truth. Again, the truth of the matter is I wouldn't wear this. I, I viewed that this was the type of sweater that probably you'd give to somebody's grandfather instead of me. Now, I don't know whether or not my parents noticed this or not, but I never wore that sweater. Not even once. And I demonstrated by that that I really didn't like it or I didn't really want the sweater. Now, ironically, I'd kind of like that sweater back today. It's something I think I would probably wear. It's maybe even in style right now. You know, the trends kind of come and go. But at the time, I didn't want it. I wasn't interested. It was a gift that I had received that I just did not want. Today, we continue our series titled Make It a Habit. We've been talking about various habits that are important to have in our lives. We talked about having a quiet time, a devotional time, where you just set aside time to get to know God. And then we talked about setting aside a a day of rest, a Sabbath day. And then we talked about getting connected with other people in the family of God, recognizing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual mothers and fathers, and, and the importance of getting connected. But today I want to talk about some some gifts that Jesus Christ has given to us. But kind of like the sweater that I was talking about earlier, there are gifts that, in some cases, people have never opened. Sometimes in our own household at Christmas time, after all the gifts were opened, maybe even the next day we found another gift and we realized, oh, this was a gift that someone was supposed to receive, but they never opened it. And sometimes that's the case with the gifts we're going to talk about here today. And sometimes it's a case of that we don't care about these gifts. We don't want these gifts. We don't want to use these gifts, these spiritual gifts that we're going to be talking about here today. 
Now, our God has given us so many gifts. I think of the fact that, first of all, he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, for us. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and there's no greater gift than that. Our God is a giving God. And I think of the fact that he's given us eternal life. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are born anew and we get the gift of eternal life. And, and that's just an amazing and wonderful gift. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit when we believe as well. The Spirit of Christ comes to dwell inside of us. And then really all of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks are gifts. Every one of them. The ability to spend time in the Bible I think the Bible is, is one of God's gifts, written by 40 authors over 1,600 years, and it reveals what our God is like. That's what the greatness of the Bible is for us. It's, it's a gift of a revelation of God. What is God like? And as we read the Bible, we get to learn what he's like. Sabbath day is presented in the Bible as being a gift. That God has given it to us so that we don't wear ourselves out, that life has some joy in it instead of just going and going and going and going. And in our culture today, this is especially, I think, a big problem. And then the family of God, of course, is a gift. In many cases, it's the family maybe you never had. Or you get to have a father maybe you never had, or you get to have brothers and sisters you never had. And, and again, when, when you put your faith in Christ, you, are, you become part of the family of God. And it's a wonderful gift God has given to us. But today I want to talk about some other gifts God has given to us. They're called spiritual gifts. And again, they're gifts that in some cases we're not aware we have, like a, a gift that wasn't opened on Christmas. And in other cases, it's a gift that we don't think we need or it's a gift that we don't use. Now, what is a spiritual gift? Well, my definition of a spiritual gift is this. A spiritual gift is an ability or enablement that Jesus gives to each believer in Christ for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ, the church. It's a special ability. It's an enablement, something that Jesus gives you the ability to do, and the main purpose of it is to strengthen the body of Christ, the church. I would call it, maybe in another sense, it's like a, a spiritual talent. Now, I want to ask you this morning, are you aware of what your spiritual gift is? Do you know what it is or what spiritual gifts you have because I think it's possible for people to have more than one spiritual gift. Well, before we're done here this morning, I want to give you four ways that you can discover what your spiritual gift is. But let's focus for a few minutes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. About a year ago, I referred to this passage and I'd like to revisit it. In Ephesians 4, 7 and 8, we read, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift or Christ's gift. For it says, when he descended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, he gave gifts to people. Notice first of all the word grace in this verse. Grace was given to us. Grace is undeserved kindness or favor that God pours out on us. It's really closely related to the idea of a gift. A scholar by the name of J.G. Matthews defines it this way, that grace conveys the sense of a gift of kindness and favor given to a person or persons. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ in Romans 5, we read that we are actually placed in, in the realm of God's grace, that his favor is upon us as believers in Christ. 
But then this verse talked about in God's grace or in Christ's grace, he also gave us gifts. Let's read it again. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity. He gave gifts to people. Now, Paul here is quoting from a verse in the Old Testament, and he actually kind of rearranges the verse from the Old Testament. He talks about the fact that there was an ascension that took place, and and then gifts were given to people, and it talks about prisoners here. What is it talking about? Well, I'll explain it in a minute, but the main gifts that are referred to in this section here are what are called spiritual gifts. Again, it's, it's enablements. It's an ability that, that every Christian has. Every single Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift. Now, Paul used an interesting analogy here. Again, the analogy he's using in Ephesians 4 is partially from a verse in the Old Testament, but partially from the culture of the day. You see, in the time when the Bible was written, oftentimes a king would return from battle, and when he was victorious, he would come into town, and there would be like this parade as the people were lined up on both sides of the, of the, the street or the, the road that he was on. And as he was marching down, oftentimes this victorious king would have, among those who were with him, his soldiers, he would also have prisoners. They'd be prisoners that would be in chains, and they would be a symbol of the king's victory. And then in the joy of the occasion, many times the king would then give gifts to the people. Maybe he'd throw coins, some of the plunder from the enemy. Well, that's the picture that's happening here in this verse when it talks about prisoners being marched or paraded and giving gifts to people. Now, I don't know that this is exactly what happened to Jesus when he rose again from the dead in a literal sense. I think it's just an analogy. It's using this analogy to show how Jesus then, victorious over sin and death, then gave gifts to people. Now, it's possible that Jesus somehow paraded this before a universe to say, look, I have won, I have conquered death. But the main emphasis of this verse is the fact that Jesus Christ, when he rose again from the dead, victorious over sin and death, gave gifts to people through the Holy Spirit who was sent to us. And that's what he's describing here. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul goes on then to list the gifts, some of them anyway. He describes, first of all, that God gave, or Jesus gave, gifted people to the church. And so he says there were prophets and apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, God is the one, Jesus is the one who has given gifted people to the church to build up his church. But then, as Ephesians 4 goes on, other gifts are listed. The point that's being made is that all of us have a spiritual gift, and so God has given gifted leaders to the church, but he's also given every single believer a gift that's supposed to be used to build up the body of Christ. Now, in the Bible, there are over 20 spiritual gifts or abilities that are listed. And they're found primarily in four main passages. They are 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 to 30, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, and Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. These are the four main places where the spiritual gifts are listed. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4. 
I'd like to focus on just one of these so that you get an idea of what these spiritual gifts are like. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, Paul lists some of these spiritual gifts. Beginning in verse 6 of Romans 12, we read, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. Notice it uses the word grace again, and it uses the word gifts again. It's Jesus Christ's gift and grace to us. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, if that's your gift, use it in serving. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, use it in exhortation. Giving, do it with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. Now, let me talk briefly about these. These are seven of those 20 plus gifts that are found in the pages of the Bible. The first one that's listed here is prophecy. A prophet was someone in both the Old and the New Testaments who got a message directly from God. Sometimes people view someone as being like a prophet because they kind of are, are preachy or whatever. They, they, you know, they're really strong in their presentation. But biblically, a prophet, it, it didn't have to do with how you presented information. It had to do with where you got it from. And so in the Bible, throughout, again, the Old and New Testaments, a prophet was someone who heard directly from God and then communicated that message to the people. Now, there's a debate these days about the role of prophecy in the church today. I would say this, if someone claims to be a prophet, realize that what they are claiming is that God spoke directly to them, and that's a, a pretty sobering claim to make. And I also want to say this, that I believe as we get to the end times that this particular gift is going to be more significant. See, some people have thought, well, prophecy no longer exists because we have the whole Bible. But it's possible that in the end times, Jesus is going to want to communicate things to us. But again, the significance of this particular gift was that it was someone who got a message from God to communicate to the people. The second one in these verses is service. There's actually a spiritual gift called service or serving. Now, that may not seem like a gift to many of us. And if that's the case, it just demonstrates you don't have the gift. The Greek word that's used here is the word from which we get our English word, deacon. And there are some people that just love, absolutely love serving selflessly. They don't even care if they get credit for it. They just love to serve. They just love it. They love it. They love it. And I would suggest if someone is like this, that they have this gift of service. A third gift mentioned here is teaching. And Paul writes, if you have the gift of teaching, then use it. In 1 Peter, it says, whoever teaches, make sure you do it according to the words of God. And so it's a sobering thing. Now, this is one of those gifts that I think tends to be fairly obvious. All of us in the past have probably had teachers in high school or college or, or even in the church where you think that person does not have that gift of teaching or the ability to teach other people do. But this is one of the spiritual gifts. The next gift was exhortation. It says, if you have this gift, use it to encourage or exhort other people. Exhortation can be a word that means comfort. It could be motivating people to action. It could be just encouraging people. Oftentimes, exhortation is someone who comes alongside and encourages you to take the steps that you need to be taking. Next gift mentioned here was the gift of giving. And again, this is an actual gift where somebody gives somebody both the heart and the means 
to give to other people. It could be giving to meet the needs of someone else or it's giving to advance the kingdom of God, the church. And this is, again, one of these gifts that tends to be fairly obvious. If someone has the gift of giving, oftentimes they are able to make a great impact through their giving in ways that no one else in the church can do. And oftentimes within the church, there are just a handful of people that have this gift and they're able to to really give so substantially and make such a huge difference. Now, this is true, of course, all the gifts. When we're using the gifts, it means that we're able to do something that Jesus Christ has given us the ability to do to make a huge difference, and other people don't have this particular gift or ability. Another gift that's mentioned here is leading. Some people are just gifted leaders. This is something, by the way, I'm not. I've never been a gifted leader. I feel I'm a reluctant leader when I see people that really have this gift. They step up to the plate. It says, if you have this particular gift, you need to lead diligently. You work hard and be faithful to lead because we need leaders. We need strong leaders in the church. And then the last one that was mentioned here was showing mercy. And Paul wrote here, if you have this gift, use it with cheerfulness. Over the years, this is one of the gifts I've, I've really been most surprised by or encouraged by. Because if someone has this gift of mercy, they're able to come into a situation that's hard or difficult, and they're able to bring cheer and joy to the situation. It could be a situation where somebody's in the hospital and sick. It could be a situation where someone has maybe sinned in some way, and they feel like a failure, and then someone who has mercy comes in and, and steps in and I've just watched a, a room, the dynamic in a room change when someone with the gift of mercy walked in. They are so encouraging. It's sometimes a gift that I wish I had. Now, these are just seven of the gifts that are here. Now, why is it important? Well, because we all have, if we're believers in Christ, only one or two of them. And we need the other gifts. If we're to become what God wants us to be, as we'll see in a minute, if we're to grow to maturity, as we'll see in a minute, we need to have other people. We need to rely on other people because we don't have the gifts that other people have. Recently, I was, have been reading a book titled Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. I've always been kind of impressed as I read stories of Sherlock Holmes, how he's able to walk into a situation and evaluate things and And then when you get to the answer, when he finally concludes, it's so amazing because you realize, oh yes, of course, that's so obvious. But what's interesting about Sherlock Holmes and in the book that I'm reading, it makes this point that there's a difference in the way that Sherlock Holmes and his friend, Dr. Watson, think. The two are, in a sense, polar opposites of one another, and this is why it demonstrates they need each other. A story I read recently that kind of illustrates the differences between these two involved a camping trip where Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were at this camping trip and it was just the two of them and and the story goes that they had a good meal and they actually split a bottle of wine before retiring for the night in order to go to sleep. A few hours later, Holmes woke up and he nudged Dr. Watson and he said, look up, Watson, at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson said, I see millions and millions of stars. Then Sherlock Holmes said, what do you deduce from that? 
And Watson thought for a moment, and he said, astronomically, I conclude that there are millions and millions of galaxies and perhaps billions of planets. He continued, astronomically, I conclude that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, he said, I deduce that it's approximately a quarter past three in the morning. From a meteorological point of view, I conclude that tomorrow there's going to be good weather. And from a theological point, I I just see how big God is, how powerful he is, and how small we are. When Watson was done, he turned to his friend's homes and he said, what do you deduce? And Holmes said, I deduce that somebody stole our tent. It's just two different ways of looking at things. Now, last week I talked about the fact that when you put your faith in Christ, you are placed within a spiritual family And suddenly you have brothers and sisters in Christ and spiritual fathers and mothers. One of the illustrations in the New Testament, though, of the church that's most dominant is the idea that the church is a body. And the body is a perfect analogy for the way the church is supposed to operate because we all have one body, but bodies have different parts, and the different parts all serve different purposes. And in the New Testament, you see that the parts of the body directly relate to spiritual gifts. That's the point that Paul was making. Now, in this body, where the church is described as a body, the head of the body is Jesus. And of course, he's the one that's providing direction to the rest of the church, the universal church, the body of Christ. But then in a body, again, there are different parts. And so this, my body, for example, has two hands. And hands could relate to the spiritual gift of serving. And a a body has a mouth, and so the mouth could relate to to one of the speaking gifts that are out there, you know. A body has a couple ears, and ears could relate to people who hear from God. It could be a reference to a prophetic gift. You just realize that there are different parts in a body, and they need to work together in order to accomplish God's will through the body of Christ. And again, each of us plays a part. Peter emphasized this in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, and he just focused on two of the gifts and talked about the fact that we have a stewardship to use these gifts. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he wrote, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers or stewards of the varied grace of God. There's the word again, grace of God. We're to be managers of this grace. God has given you a gift. Peter's saying, you need to manage it well. This is something that that you need to value and not ignore. It's a gift that you need to open up and a gift that you need to use to its fullest potential. And then he gives two examples. In verse 11, he says, if anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. This is sobering for me because I realize that whatever I say, I want to make sure it lines up with what God would say. It's just so important. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, if they have that gift, it should be from the strength God provides. You serve in God's strength so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and through the body of Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. What all this means is that we need each other. 
And I want to emphasize again, as I did last week, that our ability to grow and mature as Christians is related to the fact that we're connected well in the family of God, but also in the body of Christ. Putting it against simply, we need other gifted people in our lives. I began today by quoting from Ephesians chapter 4 early on, but toward the end of the chapter, in verses 15 and 16, we read these words. Paul wrote, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. See, there's a part that Jesus plays here. He's the head. He's the one that has given the gifts. He's the one that ties it together. But then it says here that the body is built up as each part does its part. I really want every part of my body. And and if one part is not working properly, the whole body suffers. That's why a little over a year ago, I had to have my appendix removed. The appendix literally died. And the whole body suffered as a result of that. There's no part of my body I don't want. I want all of the parts. But many times, if the church is the body of Christ, there are many parts that are not operating properly. And I want you to think for a moment what would happen if all the parts were operating properly. What if everybody was using the spiritual gift that God had given him or her? to serve the body of Christ, if we were all operating within the strength and the grace that God had given to us to build up the rest of the body of Christ. You see, when the gifts are not being used well, both suffer, both the one who could be using the gift and the one who could be receiving the gifts from other people. We all end up suffering, but Paul said, as we come together in love and as each part does its part, together we grow up and mature as a body of Christ. Now, it brings me to my final question here that some of you may be wondering. You say, well, if there are 20-some gifts out there, how do I discover what my spiritual gift is? And I want to give you four action steps here to, to discover what your gift might be. Number one is this, review the biblical list of gifts. Again, the four places where these gifts are found, if you're one that likes to take notes, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30. It's Romans 12, 6 through 8. It's 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. And Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Now, these are the main lists. There are other spiritual gifts that maybe aren't listed here. And I want to mention this too as well. That I don't think even the spiritual gifts that are listed in these passages are intended to be exhaustive. I think that many times, whatever the body of Christ needs as a gift, Jesus is able to provide. And so it's possible that you even have a spiritual gift that's not listed in one of these. But I encourage you to go to these passages and ask yourself the question, is this something that seems to be true of my life? Is it possible that I have this particular gift? A second step you might take in order to discover your gift is to take the spiritual gifts inventory. If you go to the Chestnut Ridge Church website and you type in the special search function, you know, the little magnifying glass, if you type in their spiritual gifts, you will come to a section that describes spiritual gifts. And if you click on that, you'll actually come to an inventory 
or a test that you can take to discover what your spiritual gift is. There are 128 statements there that if they apply to you as you add them up, it might provide some clarity in terms of, it seems like my gift is this. Seems I have maybe the gift of serving or I have the gift of teaching or I have the gift of generosity or whatever it would be. Third is we can ask others what gift they think we have. And this, by the way, is another reason why it's important that we be connected with other believers because other people can see what's true about us even if we don't see ourselves. Many times people can see and they say, you know what, this is something you're really good at or I see this in your life and it can be very encouraging. This is not something, by the way, where we take pride in it to acknowledge that we might have a particular spiritual gift. It's, it's something Christ gives us. It's something that we've received. So we don't take pride in it, but at the same time, to have other people acknowledge this is something that you, you're just good at this. And finally, I would encourage you to serve in a variety of ways. Most of the spiritual gifts, it's kind of interesting, but most of the spiritual gifts have commands related to them that apply to all believers. For example, there's a spiritual gift of teaching, but in Matthew 28, we're all told to go and make disciples teaching them. There's a gift of mercy, but we're told all of us to be merciful to one another. There's a gift of evangelism, the ability to share your faith, but all of us are to be communicating our faith. There's a gift of hospitality, which means kindness towards strangers, but all of us are supposed to be hospitable. And in the, in the course of practicing these things, as we serve in a variety of ways in the body of Christ, it becomes more and more apparent which gift we might have. And over the years, I've run into a lot of people who said, I began serving in this area and I had no idea that I this was an area that I, I was actually good at. And they discovered their gift in the process of serving. Now I realize that we are in a COVID world right now and so serving opportunities may not be as great, but they still exist. And so I encourage you to go to our website and click next steps. And there's a place there for you where you can begin to explore areas in which you can serve. I also want to again emphasize Foster West Virginia because there are ways you can serve with that as well. The opportunities are there to give and there are opportunities there that you're going to have to maybe serve other families or, and all of us I think could be praying about that as well. The bottom line is that we need to be ones who have identified what our spiritual gift is. And again, we don't want it to be like a present that's hidden under the tree that we never saw. We need to discover what it is and then as we begin to use it, something happens within our own lives. And I think a joy comes when we're properly connected with that thing that Jesus gave us. We could really make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, you are such a giving God. And for that, we are so grateful. Through Christ, you've given us eternal life. You've given us a family, Lord. You've given us your spirit. And you've given us, through your son, Jesus, you've given us spiritual gifts, abilities, where we're needed in the body of Christ, Lord. So many in this world are looking just to be needed. And yet you gave us spiritual gifts that other people need. In so doing, oh Lord, it brings unity to the body of Christ, the church. So help us, O Lord, to discover our gift and use it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.